This morning we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 3. We're kind of at the, the midway point. As I mentioned, Peter at this point in his ministry is older. He's gotten a little wiser. I think he's slowed down a little bit on some of his <clears throat> emotional you know, fervor as far as you know, jumping in before thinking. And he's now coming from it from a perspective of like a father to these young churches. And he's encouraging them in the face and in the trials of real persecution to grow up and to respond differently. And I'm going to use that word. You're going to hear that word a lot this morning on response. We had a little bit of it last week when we were talking about responding to certain situations. That theme is going to carry through again today. Now in chapter 1, when we were looking at it, just for a little bit of review, because I, I understand not everyone's here every week and we miss some things. But chapter 1, we were looking at that living hope, right? And Peter was pointing back to not only salvation, but he was also pointing especially towards the resurrection and how key that is and that we're only here for a short time and how important that is to kind of keep that perspective. We're here for a little while and this is not the end of our lives. We eternal beings, we go on. There is yet to come something much better. In fact, it's great that it's Communion Sunday because we're going to celebrate that, that in Christ... We live eternally with Him. And even though things are tough now, they're going to be better. Much, much better. Chapter 2, we talked about living stones, right? And how each of us are precious and how Jesus is a cornerstone. And not to lose that, that He is the focal point. And then He builds off of that. And we are part of that as being those living stones. Yes, I called you rocks, but that wasn't a bad thing. And sometimes rocks need to be shaped, they need to be formed. Sometimes we need to knock off some of the rough edges or some of those things that entrap us. And then last week, we kind of finished up the end of chapter 2 and we just started in chapter 3, but we talked about submitting to authorities, slaves to masters, and we even delved into husband and wives, right? Did anyone get a chance to put that into practice this week, you that are married? Anyone? Anyone? No, it was only, all right, it was my lesson. All right, I, I'm the one that needed that, and uh, trying to understand credit the, was a difficult task at times, and I had to work on that. So if you haven't read it, go back and read it. But a lot of that has to do with response, right? And irregardless of how someone treats us or responds to us, the one thing we can control is how we respond back. And that's, that's important to remember that, because we can't predict what happens to us. We can't control situations. We, in fact, we learn pretty quick that we're pretty much out of control. If you don't think that, then I'm going to be praying for you, right? Because we're not in control. Not in control of those around us and what people do and how people react. If you don't believe that, watch TV for a little while. Just watch what's been going on this week, right? Things seem out of control. But it is important, important to God, how we respond to those. And so with those things in marriage and, and that, Peter kind of comes to verse 8 here, and he kind of brings it all back together. This isn't the end of the letter, but it's actually the midpoint. But it says, finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate, and humble. I read that verse, and I'm like, oh my goodness. That seems like the impossible mission. Think about it. We're talking about a group of people, a church body. And it says live in harmony, right? 
One, one translation says, uh, be like-minded, right? You know, you know the story of church committees, right? You put four people on a committee, you have five opinions, right? And that's, that's typically how sometimes that goes, being like-minded. But it doesn't mean all agreeing on everything, but being like-minded. Don't forget the purpose. Be in unity is really what Peter is saying here. And Paul emphasizes the same thing. And again, we may have some disagreements or we come at things from a different angle, but we can still be like-minded. We can be in harmony because we are working towards the same things. One of the things that I do with the elders, in fact, they probably get tired because they see that question every meeting we have, but I always put on there, what is the purpose of our church family? Right? Come on, elders, you want to throw one up? What? Discipleship. That's one. What's the other half? We just did this on Tuesday. All right, I'm, I'm working, I'm working. Sharing the gospel, right? And that entails missions, sharing it personally. They left me hanging. My elder, they're back there laughing at me now because they, they knew. Because like I said, we do that every meeting. But even within those two purposes, we're like-minded. But like I said, we look at it through different lenses. You know, Dave Wonders looks at it through the youth quite often and sometimes through music. Brent, Brent is our missions guy, so he's kind of focused on that. You know, um, Brandon helps with the, the building and Denny as well. So providing that place of worship, that's all part of it. Ike with the IT and the sound. Tony? Yeah, I'm not sure what you bring. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, <laughs> no, Tony brings that as well. He's, he's also emphasizing discipleship and also reaching out. But again, just even with those two things, to be like-minded takes work. And we need to be reminded of that. And so I think that's what Peter's saying. The overall arching, even though we may do it from different angles and with different passions, we still need to be in harmony with that. We need to respect each other and work to be sympathetic, not only on the elder board, but as our church family as well. Be sympathetic, right? Be sympathetic. Another one. Like I said, I'm daunted by this verse. Being sympathetic with people, understanding their situation and coming alongside them. It's kind of another way of putting that. Um, being compassionate there as well, but those kind of go together, right? Being Understanding that person may have some, some tough times. They may be in a rough spot right now, and not beating them up and not casting them aside, but coming alongside them and bringing them along, helping them through that situation. Love as brothers, brothers and sisters, right? That love, and we've talked about love. We've done a whole message on love. If you don't remember, go back to 1 Corinthians 13. There's a nice little, little sanction list right, of things to do, how we love one another. Some of those same things will come through, right? Being patient, being kind. You remember those verses. If not, good time to review and go back and look at those. Be compassionate and humble, right? Again, daunting tasks, being compassionate, understanding. I always made the joke, our kids knew who to come to. They would go to mom for compassion. They would never come to dad for compassion. In fact, Dad had that running joke. If you want compassion, go out the door, turn left till you find someone that cares. That's not being compassionate. And my kids knew that. And again, that's something I had to work on. I saw it on that. Being compassionate. Understanding where people are at and helping them through it. And then, it's not last here by any means, but humility or being humble. Right? Being humble. It's not my way or the highway. That's not going to help being like-minded. It's not, I haven't got all the answers. But being humble enough to say, you know what, I don't know. 
I need help. I need help in this area. I need someone to come alongside me. Again, humility goes a long ways in keeping harmony. It works in marriage relationships. It works in church relationships. It works in any relationship, being humble. All right, that's all on verse one, the one verse, verse 8. So if we don't move forward, we'll be, uh, we'll be past the Super Bowl tonight. I won't go that long. This one's interesting, especially in light of today's world and what we live in, right? Verse 9, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Remember who he's talking to, right? Remember we, we talked about earlier, he's talking to slaves, right? And he, and he says the same, similar language, right? right? Don't repay evil with evil. Bless those who are over you. Bless those who insult you. Right? Struggle. This is another one of those struggles, right? You hit me, I'm going to hit you back, and I'm probably going to hit you back harder. Right? That, that's just, it's, it's almost instinctive. But you know what that instinct is? It really is my sin nature. And so I have to fight that. I have to fight that response, that, that trigger, if you want to call it, and say, no, I can't repay evil with evil as a believer. I need to respond differently. That can be difficult. Again, they're not only talking here within the church body, but even the outside world. Because guess what? They're going to do the same thing. They're going to repay evil with evil. They're, they're almost going to expect it. And you have an opportunity with that to respond differently. And then Peter's going to ask us what we do with that a little bit later. So I'm getting ahead of myself. But again, this verse, and then a call, there's a blessing to that. Again, we know that blessings don't always come here and now. Right? Some of our blessings are going to be in future glory. So again, not doing it for the purpose of being blessed right now, because it's not going to feel like a blessing most likely at the time. And we may never see that blessing, this side of glory. But again, our Heavenly Father knows it. He knows what's going on, and there will be a reward for that later on. And as I've mentioned before, Peter, in case you didn't know, Peter was a Jew. All right, I know that may come as a shock to you, and he uses the Old Testament a lot. And so he inserts that in here. Pick up Again, that's the scriptures they had, and people in his audience would know that right away, and they would pick up on it. And again, Old Testament is just as important as New Testament. And so Peter pulls these together very nicely. But in this verse, look at what's here, and it's from Psalm. It says, For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn evil, he must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to those in prayer, to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Take those verses and now look back at verse 8. Kind of plug that back in, and you can almost you can see it. It's almost in a way he's repeating, but he's repeating it with a different emphasis, right? Living in harmony, loving one another, being sympathetic, being like-minded, being compassionate, being humble, and then with this psalm, watch how we speak to each other. Watch out for our tongue, how we do it. Must turn evil into good. Seek peace and pursue it, right? Seeking peace, that's part of humility. You in order to do that, you have to humble yourself to seek peace. 
It's an action. It's an activity that we need to do. So again, he's re-emphasizing, but he's, he's bringing it to full focus here, and he's kind of pulling it. And, it. and who is watching over that? Who is ultimately the one that judges how we handle the situation? God. Because he sees the heart. He knows if, for what motive I'm doing it. Right? God is the one that sees the heart. He's the righteous one. He's the one that knows what truly is right. And so that pulls that all together. Then he goes on in verse 13. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Now remember the context, right? These are people who are under persecution. And it doesn't matter whether they're doing good or bad. They come under that persecution. And as a matter of fact, you are doing good, and you're still going to suffer. And you're going to suffer for even doing what's right. God's commanded me to do something, and I'm doing what God wants me to do, yet I'm going to suffer. Logically, that doesn't make sense, right? That doesn't really fit into our grid. It's like, wait a minute, if I'm doing what God wants me to do, then it should be all sunshine and roses, right? It's not, not the way it works. Peter is, is, is mentioning that here, and God says that. Again, that blessing later on. Now, if you're one that underlines verses, which I do, um, my Bible is marked up in a lot of places because I need, at different times, I need them. I left out this part of this sentence, but I have this underlined. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. Do not fear what they fear. Talk about the other the outside world fears things that we as believers are called not to fear. Right? Think about it. Our society and our culture around us almost lives off of fear. In fact, if you have any influence, it's usually done out of fear base. There used to be an alliance campaign a while ago, and Bob, I don't know, you might remember this, but used to say, are you making faith-filled decisions or are you making feared-filled decisions? Again, it was a call to churches to step out. And Brent, you were kind of alluding to that, right? Making some changes, not getting caught in cul-de-sacs. That would take some of those, those faith-filled steps. But there are, are concerns. There's always concerns. There's fears. Well, if we do this, are we going to not have finances? Are we not going to have enough people? You know, we can come up with all sorts of fears and think that they're logical, but they're not. God says we need to step out. We need to step out in faith. But think about how much fear cripples us. How much it hurts us in relationship. Right? Having a fearful response even can hinder. I think of the other side of that purpose of sharing the gospel. There's been many times I've been more fearful about that relationship or fearful that I'm going to say it wrong or not do it right, and I've let fear keep me from sharing. Now, I don't know whether that person was going to accept the gospel or not, but I let fear keep me from even sharing. Right? Fear keeps us from doing things that God wants us to do. And so the call here is don't let fear, don't fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. Again, Peter's talking to a people that that need to step out in their faith, even though it may cost them persecution. You know, they, they probably had a real fear. They could lose everything. They could lose their life. Peter said, hey, go past that. Go beyond that. Don't be frightened. 
Verse 15 comes the encouragement. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for your hope that you have. Yeah, another one I've underlined, right? Always be prepared. Doesn't say sometimes be prepared, right? Or when I feel like, it says always. People are watching us. People watch how we respond to situations. And a lot of times they'll ask you. And so you get an opportunity to share. Why is it? Why is it you respond the way you respond? Why is it you do what you do? Right? That's, that's a great question. Interesting, I was on the, the pickleball court. Of all places, I was on the pickleball court this week, and I met a, a, a new person that was playing. Well, it was my first time playing pickleball here, but I met him for the first time, and he says, so where'd you come from? He says, I know you're not from Minnesota because you've got a weird accent and you kind of talk funny, and he didn't say anything, which that, I'm sure that might have tipped it off as well. I said, I'm, I'm from, the, from the east, and he goes, why, and I can't use the exact words, but why are you here, <laughs> you know? Why would you move to a place like this? And so even something as simple as that gave me an opportunity to share why God has brought us here and opened the door. It changed, that response changed his countenance, his language changed, and we were actually on the same team and um, didn't help his game, didn't, didn't help my game. Um, I think we still lost. Uh, we were doing doubles. But it was an opportunity, and it just reminded me of that verse, right? Always be ready to give a response. And that's tough, because sometimes we're, we're caught off God, right? Sometimes we don't have it all prepared. We don't have it all written out. We don't have all the, the scriptures memorized that we need. But be, always be prepared. And sometimes it kind of goes with that fear, right? Because we're fear we're not going to say the right thing, or we're going to say it in the wrong way. We don't say anything. We miss the opportunity. I think those verses go very well together. So always be prepared. And again, he puts in that hope, right? Peter kind of loops back around, that hope. What's the hope that Peter's talking about? That living hope back in chapter 1. Because of Jesus Christ, because of what he did. I have hope. My circumstances now is not what they're going to be. I'm an alien. I'm a stranger. I'm only here for a short time. This is not my final destination. Peter knows that, and he's encouraging these believers with that. Now, I could stop and just skip that, the rest of this verse, and, but I would be missing out on a big chunk because there's a big but there, B-U-T, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Right? Do it with gentleness and respect. Right? No Bible thumping. <laughs> I, that's what I have actually in my notes. No Bible thumping. And it may have been a few years since I've written that in there, but don't beat people up with it. Right? With gentleness and respect. You know, I was just thinking, that guy on the pickleball court, I didn't talk to him about his language. I didn't tell him he shouldn't swear or the Bible says he shouldn't swear. I didn't even, didn't even mention that at all. Took it with a grain of salt and carried the conversation on. And I could have, I could have, and I have in the past, I've, I've missed that opportunity. I said, well, my job brought me here. True, 
but it's not really the full explanation, is it? See how you have those opportunities? We need to kind of step a little bit out of that comfort zone. And again, from my indication, this man was not a believer, and he probably didn't care the reason why I was really here. He was just being polite. But to do it with gentleness and respect. And again, he was an older man, and certainly we had a nice conversation with respect. And so in that situation, I think I did all right. But you see the grid we can run it through, right? How we respond. And that but is a one. We respond with gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience, right? Not leaving out parts of it or not telling the truth and certainly not lying about why we have that hope in Christ. Not letting fear decide that. So pull these all together and it's a lot. It's a lot to kind of wrap our minds around. Again, how we respond. Verse 17. It is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Notice the theme, right? He kind of keeps reminding them. Again, that's the situation they're at. They were suffering as believers. Many of our brothers and sisters this morning around the world are suffering in their belief. There being things are happening to them for no just cause. But here's the reason. For Christ died for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring to God, he was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who disobeyed long ago. When God waited patiently in the days of Noah, while the ark was being built, in it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you. Also not the removal of dirt from the body for the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. I've tried to break that up a couple times as I can. I have to read it all together because, again, it, it kind of pulls it together, especially in the context of what the people that are there. But it's because of Christ's sake. It's because of Jesus. That's the response. It's because of what Jesus did for me and for you and for those unbelievers those, and those unbelievers who are insulting, those unbelievers who are slandering, those unbelievers who are persecuting you, Christ died for the unrighteous. Kind of pulls it into perspective, right? Kind of brings it home. Same Jesus died for all. None of us were worthy. That's the response. Response and how we respond to that gospel is important. How we respond to other people with that message. And then he gets into baptismal here, and unfortunately, that's one of these passages that, that people will kind of disjoint and take out of context. But I think it, it really is pretty clear that baptismal, obviously, it's a it's a symbol of the resurrection. We don't get saved by being baptized. It's out of obedience. We believe that. We teach that here. It's a form of obedience, but it's not part of salvation. It's after. 
Again, we identify with Christ and what he did. It's like we do communion this morning. We're identifying with what Christ did and we're recognizing that. We're taking a moment of a pause and say, hey, we remember. You know what? I was a sinner and I'm only saved by God's grace. And so I, it's the same thing with baptism. It's an identification. It's a public statement saying, I'm doing this to identify with Christ. And again, he's talking to a people that if they do this, they publicly, in fact, they most likely could become under more persecution and they're going to be misunderstood. And that wraps up chapter 3. And fittingly so, like I said, we're doing communion this morning and we're remembering, again, what Jesus did. But it's also not only our salvation, salvation of our brothers and sisters, but it's also salvation for a world that has not heard it yet. Those who are yet to come to Christ. Those who are still lost as believers. And that response is important to God and should be important to us as well as believers. Bow with me, please. Heavenly Father, may we never lose the awe and the wonder of what you did for us. May we never lose the fact that you died on the cross for our sins, that you were buried and that you rose again, and that you were alive and well, sitting at the right hand of God. Lord, may more people hear the good news and come to you. Lord, may you give us opportunities this next week that we have a chance to share the good news. That we give the reason for the hope that we have in you. Lord, help us to do better at that. Help us to, to not miss those opportunities. Continue to do your work in and through your people. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.